0: Hey everybody, thank you so much for tuning in for my talk. Thank you for being part of this virtual summit. I am absolutely incredibly grateful to be talking to you today about permaculture response to pandemic. What you can do in your own home, on your own homestead, your home site, your apartment, whatever it is, the steps you can take to be more resilient, to start that garden, to make those changes now and we're going to go through them all together but but first i'm not a doctor you know what i mean i'm i'm not gonna get into like the whole pandemic side of things um this is what we're doing as a family it's all research based and 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 it's our personal choice Um, maybe you follow some of these things too and that's really cool but i'm not here to talk about any of those medical things because today's not about opinions it's not about the controversies that are out there it's not about you know health advice or even our mindset because what we're going to do is going to create a mindset what we're going to do is going to give us peace and and health in a way that um, is self-evident that you can prove to yourself that you know will just come from taking these right actions this is hands-on this is external this is pragmatic this is critical so that's what we're doing today because Um, We need to become anti-fragile, we need to become resilient, and we need to become regenerative. So this is like the chart that everyone is copying and and remaking, okay? So they're like, there's going to be a second wave in history with the pandemic, the the flu, the Spanish flu. There was a second wave. There's also a third wave in some areas. So in some areas, there was no second wave. It just steadily got worse and then spiked so we we have history that we're going off of and we're hoping that the second wave comes next winter but that's not what the chart shows the chart shows that the second wave happened in months so if the chart is going to be used we should assume that that it's sooner than a year it could be months it could steadily grow Instead, it could miss that first small wave and just have a giant spike. And it could have free waves. So knowing that, and also knowing about the antibodies thing, how no one has proven that people build up antibodies, and that's why people are worried about them getting it a second time. People are worried about resurgences. People are worried about the fact that there's eight different strains in America. The financial sector is preparing for lockdowns next fall and winter already and they're forecasting that and that means that they're going to shut down all of those production centers or minimize them and they're going to be laying people off people are going to be laid off there going to be more people at home there's going to be less food being produced there's going to be less like the meat factories you know are being shut down by people not showing up but by by outbreaks um, i know they're being trying to kept uh, open but are dying, and there's about to be a meat shortage. Uh, McDonald's is already rationing, and we need to think strategically now while we still have the luxury of time. So you will need, regardless of the situation, this will be true, you will need food, water, medicine, power, and fuel. Think about your medicine if you have life... life, saving medication or life-extending uh, medication that you need month supplies, months of supply. Um, you need backup power like a generator. You need backup fuel. So while it's ex- inexpensive, so go stock up on it. At this time, you've got to be really pragmatic. Uh, make sure that you have the fuel, you have the generators, you have that medicine. You have water, not just those like, dinky rain barrels, okay? we got to have big water tanks full, um, because you're going to need it. And then you need more than what's growing in the garden. You need backup food. You need food storage. And you need seed storage as well. So we're going to talk about all that today. Mainstream services may all be interrupted. Like, they may all be interrupted. Power may go off. Water may go off in your region you may not be able to get fuel you may not be able to get food this may be the moment where everything stops and a lot of things have right so today is the day i'm I'm filming this the day that they're shutting down amazon walmart target the lifeline for everyone stuck in their houses the delivery services and home delivered goods that's being boy, like boycotted on strike right now. So they may be interrupted. Nurses are, are protesting and leaving because they don't have the equipment to protect themselves. We are seeing a situation quickly unravel. And I'm just stating things that are. That have already happened. So we need to prepare now as best we can because the shortages the outages the disruptions the rationing the lockdowns are here they're here and as you know Andrew Yang and many other experts are saying they don't think it's gonna go back to normal for a long time and that it's there's not like we're gonna have a recovery they're, we're not gonna flip the lights back on we're not gonna go back exposed the weaknesses in every single one of our systems and because of what's happening with the reaction it's going to hurt people and that's why we're here today to make sure that you're safe the family's safe that you're taking the steps to protect yourself so that next winter you have food next winter um when they're rationing food and everyone's going to the place where they're rationing and then there's outbreak at the rationing place There's no guarantee that this won't continue indefinitely. So why me? I've seen this before. I was at NYU when 9-11, when September 11th happened. I lived in an area where I had to show IDs to military to get into the restricted areas. And Every time the color changed on the warnings, the terror threat warnings, I would you know have different versions of of anxiety. I've lived through that. I've, I've you know gotten through that, and I have seen what what what'll happen and what the fear and the anxiety and the pressure. And then I've also been snowed in in Washington. Water froze. Power is out. No water, no power for days and days on end. I think our longest was nine days. No water, no power, couldn't get down the road. It's all snowed in. We had a vehicle that just couldn't do it. So we've had to adapt. We've had to learn how to live in these situations. So I know that you're scared. I know that you're frightened. I know that you have all these anxieties and these questions and these these scenarios that keep playing through your head. And you're like, how am I going to deal with that? What am I going to do? I've been there. I don't have that anymore. Instead, I have solutions that play through my head. And it's because I've lived it. I've had to find the solutions. I've been in those situations. And I've, you know, I've taken packs of seed and I've turned them into bags and then, and then barrels full of seed. I've grown squash for years now and, and laid it up for the entire year as food storage. So you know what really is permaculture? You know it's earth care, it's people care, it's future care. It's all these things in concert as a lens for understanding the world around you. And why permaculture? Well, number one, ecological humility. You, you understand your actual place in me. Yes, we're like a superconductor. We're like the supercomputer for nature, you know what I mean? And we can be so regenerative and react and, and withhold our reactions as we see the predators and not be scared. And We, we can do so much. We're amazing. But we need to understand our place. You need to understand that we're stewards. We're regenerators. Of the world around us number two being prepared being prepared you know we know the boy scout mantra but now is the moment where it's really sinking in i mean we had the giant seed storage of seeds we had food storage of dried goods we have all the equipment we have the knowledge and now it's here so we were prepared but even still it's like whoa It's like being pushed, it's like you're building the boat, but suddenly the boat is pushed off from shore and you're like, hey, we're in a boat. You know what I mean? It's like this realization yes, we are on the water, we are in danger potentially. Yeah, it's true, isn't it? We are in a moment where we've never been so vulnerable, we've never been so unprepared as a culture for what's happening. Number three, being adaptive. We are notorious for thinking short-sightedly, being rigid and stubborn and refusing to see the science. And this is what permaculture offers us, is the ability to see our place, the ability to see the solutions, the ability to actually understand and connect all the sciences so that you can make good choices, regenerative choices and be adaptive. So how? How does it do this? It does it by generating food, water, medicine, fiber, fuel, and power. And when you have those things in abundance, they generate a bioregional local economy. Let's just talk first about gardening, okay? So fast food gardens. Because you're gonna want to have food fast, as soon as possible, like this. You know, you're gonna wanna think surrounding yourself with food that you just threw on the ground. And really, that starts with, like, eat all greens. These are plants that you can, you know, eat when they're just little sprouts. You can eat their leaves. You can eat them as seedlings. You can eat um, their seeds when they're finished growing. Uh, you have the ability to eat it at all stages. So even in the heart of summer where the, the seeds are set and you can still be eating the leaves. So who am I talking about? Kinopodia family is a great example. Hozantle. Um, Quinoa, they are absolutely great at keeping their their leaves firm and fresh even in the heat of summer when all those delicate lettuces are, even the the butterheads, are kind of just, just wilted and just destroyed by the sun and they're just never, never good. This is a solution. This is a really good solution. So eat all greens. So there's kale. This is mustard. Think about all the brassicas and then beets and sharks. They're one plant. They're just, they're the different phenotypic expressions of the same line. And then garlic, chives, onions, all those are amazing. And, you know, microgreens and sprouts fall into the same category, right? So start growing your sprouts indoors, outdoors. I I have them growing out right there because as I thin, they're my microgreens. So you could be doing pea tendrils, sunflower shoots, onion, chive, basil, cilantro, lettuce, borage, arugula, and so many more. And then consider this in pandemic times, your food forest is your hidden food storage. So if some, heaven forbid, someone comes and takes your food, you have that security insurance food out in landscape that they won't recognize. And basics around the food forest. What is a food forest? Well, it is a collaborative combination of plants that work together feeding one another nutrients and participating in a way that gives us an abundance but also preserves itself and it regenerates itself and makes itself exponentially more rich and nutrient dense. And we do that by partnering the plants up. So nitrogen fixers with the fruit bearing trees you might have shrubs you might have mulch crops but it's all about creating this system that has all the layers occupied so that the weeds don't come in and occupy those spaces and these could be native plants these could be selected plants. it's completely up to you so there's canopy there's vines and climbers there's understory there's shrubs there's herbaceous layer there herbs there's clumpers, there's the ground cover, the creepers, and the rhizosphere down at the root layer. And then, of course, the fungal layers that pass through it all. That That is the layers of the food forest. And when you're occupying them all, especially when you're inoculating things as they go in with the right fungi, you see an explosion of life, and they start working together. They create these mini micro-ecosystems that just give us an abundance they retain water really well because as one evapotranspires the canopy above it absorbs it and then takes it in and then it's always cycling always circling and the nutrients are doing the same above and below so that's the food forest now medicinal is something that we all need to be getting more into because the the medical industry is overtaxed right now and again I'm not a doctor but the research from the doctors says very clearly that we have plant medicines that can help in this situation. So herbal remedies that you could be producing at home, um, not necessarily related to coronavirus, but just in general are the comfrey, toothache plant, holy basil, oregano, hops, lavender, chamomile, cannabis. All of these things have the ability to give us relief or critically change our condition when we're deathly ill or have a fracture or a sprain or You can grow incredibly powerful plant medicine at home um, And and you can you know fight cancer even um, And I know that seems like a wild statement. It's anecdotal from life experience from my own life and also from research that has been done um, with other people and clinically as well so We have the ability to do these things, whether they're herbal remedies or fungal. Um, This is cordyceps. Absolutely amazing. Cordyceps produces something that we can actually use as a filler, replacer, additional fuel in our cells at a cellular level. ATP looks almost exactly like what is inside cordyceps. So um, if you want more energy, get cordyceps. And mushrooms are antiviral. You know, shiitake, reishi, lion's mane, antibacterial, antiviral. They're really immunologically modulating so that we can fight viruses. Now, fermentation. So many options when it comes to fermented foods. Um, Kombucha, people are saying that kombucha is really great for for fighting viruses and colds and stuff at this time. Um, I like kombucha. I don't know uh, too much about uh, all of the science behind kombucha, but I know about kefir, and water kefir is incredible. So we use water kefir all the time. We, I, I, I use it, it soothes my gut, it, it helps my digestion. It is absolutely incredible, and it's not anything like you can buy in a store. It's something that you have to brew at home, something that you time. Got some right there on my counter, and I love it. So um, again, not a doctor, but these are things that people have been using for thousands of years to treat their gut, to treat their digestion. And it, it, I, I have students in my courses that have been using it to treat asthma, uh, treat skin conditions even. It's remarkable and it is beneficial for those people. And I've never heard anything negative about it. So you can do kefir, kombucha, kvass, sauerkraut, kimchi. And remember, the sauerkraut and the kimchi When you have the actual physical food that you've fermented, that's like one bite's like four bottles of kefir. So uh, there's a superpower there that people have been saying is really powerful. It also goes deeper into our digestion with that microbiology. So it it makes a completely different reaction in our gut. So I would say if you like one or or the other, do both. (laughs) Because they both have different effects. And then seed saving. I mean, I'm the seed saver. I love this stuff. Start saving seed. Plan to grow things that you will save. And that might mean that you need to get seed that you really, really like so that you save it. Or grow food that you really, really love so that you save it. Like the best tomatoes will make you save their seeds. Or maybe it'll be like that huge debate, right? Like, "Ah, I want to eat you. It's hard. It's a hard debate, but self-control is important. This is carrot seed. You, most seed you want to wait until they dry down. Some seed you want to dry out, and some seed you want to ferment that is wet. And it, this is all like Googleable. This is all YouTube-able, um, that for like seed information per, per seed variety. But really, it's really simple. I mean, if it's they're wet seeds. Half the time they need to be fermented so they get off that membrane that's on them. And um, then they need to be dried down properly. And if there are seeds that literally dry down, you might have to catch them before they're completely dried down so they don't spring away, like bong, then fly out. But most of the time they just stay put because we've been doing this for long enough with our ancestors that they've adapted to be polite, wait for us to come get them. You could partner with all sorts of plants. You could partner with all sorts of seeds. And just know that if you observe the plant well and allow it to go through its changes, sometimes your shard is gonna grow like six feet tall before it gives you its seeds. And that's okay. Let it be a shard tree. Um, And it it will. It'll show you crazy expressions when things go to seed. You'll be worried, you'll be like, is this the right thing to do? Um, And you'll be like, why is it doing all this stuff? But it's really, really good. For plants to go through their full life cycle, to go to flower, so all the pollinators go crazy, to change their root it's through the full season of change, and then to dedicate everything into that seed so that they're just stained carbon. It's all really, really good and needs to happen. So um, I say dive right into it and don't be afraid. And if you really want a guide, the best guide is the Seed Garden by the Seed Savers Exchange. There is also you know, a real need for bioregional seed banks. I basically have enough seed for a small village or a small town of people. Now, food preservation. Now, there are many methods out there. There are many crazy methods out there, but it's pretty easy when you get down to it. We're drying things, we're freezing things, we're, we're pickling things, we're putting things in you know, vinegar. You're leaving things in the sun. It, this, is, this isn't hard. Maybe you're getting some extra salt and preserving your olives from your olive tree, or you're making sauerkraut. This, this is possible, okay? If you've got a lot of sugar, you might be sugaring things and candying them, or you could be canning them. But whatever it is, do some food storage, food preservation this year. And also, very quickly, if you can, do the bulk food storage buy some bulk food storage so survival foods often are like winter foods I think of them as winter foods and so we're thinking high calorie and high fat and I'm gonna say the high fat one twice high fat because that's the thing that everyone skimps on because it's expensive high fat I'll say it a third time if you don't have fat your brain doesn't operate properly a brain operates on fat not sugar Sugar makes us sore, irritated, and and, and, and can really imbalance us. Those fats are the things that are going to keep us strong, keep us fit, and keep us mentally sharp in crisis times like this. So make sure that you buy your fats in bulk or produce them in bulk. So dried and freeze-dried foods. You can get tons of these things. You still need water, and you, you... you will find that they're mostly grain-based, mostly flour-based, but they're survival foods, and we're about survival right now. So we use this is a big secret reveal, okay? We use Azure standard for organic bulk, because emergency prepared, you know, uh, beprepared.com, emergency preparedness isn't organic, and they're almost the same price. So we go to Azure Standard. It's a members-only thing. There's drop sites you get it directly from the truck. They're incredible. I I would totally absolutely check that out. We certainly do use it and rely upon it. So once you get their stuff, you bring it home and then you start vacuum sealing it and packing it back up. Right here you can see that we got those Home Depot buckets. And we're not storing it in the bucket loose. We're storing it in these Mylar bags. So this is pearled sorghum. So you need the Mylar bags, oxygen absorbers, and some heating element i think we used a flat iron for my my wife's hair she just uses a a backup one and she seals them shut with the oxygen absorbers in there and they and 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 then we just put them in the buckets and they can last years they can last over a decade depending on what it is flour once it's been ground you're combining the oil and and the starch And so it breaks down. It actually um, goes sour and goes bad faster. But if you store the wheat berries, which we have einkorn wheat berries and emerald wheat berries, those store a long time. And if you've got a grinder like we do, you can grind them and then use a sifter. So this right here, you would take that and then sift that. That's my grinder right there. And that is actually a champion grinder. Right, so you got your flour. Now, maybe you have powdered milk. I know it seems off the wall, but in many places in the world where milk just spoils really quickly, powdered milk is the only option, and it doesn't have to be just dairy. You can get other things. And then also eggs. Um, You could have chickens, though feed is an issue right now. There's feed shortages already. But you could be doing flax meals and egg replacer or other thickeners like alginate and chia. But your fats and oils, right? Your coconut oil, your olive oil, your butter, your ghee, your lard your long stable fats that will stay in your pantry and not go bad or in your freezer in the case of like butter those things will stay and they're costly but they're really important so what does this equal milk plus flour plus eggs or an egg substitute plus fat and oil well if you said most french food you're absolutely correct but we're actually going for breads, you know, pastas, sauces, gravies, cakes and cookies. You know, you've got a little bit of veggies, you got a little bit of meat. Um, you combine it with a bunch of grain and flour with a little bit of huskadoo, and you suddenly have an amazing meal that tastes great and is filling. But it at the beginning was just the you know, a handful of flour, an egg, and this, and then so that's, that's why we, we have these staples. That's why these staples are so important right now. And we're so lucky to have YouTube for like how to make pasta from scratch and how to do all these different things that are actually not so hard. Now water storage and purification, this is gonna probably be a big one because um, the barrel system, the rain barrel system is a joke. You'll find that you'll use that up in one watering and in one rain session, you'll be able to fill up 10, 20 of those. So even the IBC totes are only okay. I would would err on the side of getting the giant thousands of gallon tanks, the round ones, the tall ones, to store as much water as possible. And maybe you get cisterns and you're doing it underground, and that's amazing, but most of us have to just adapt with what we have, and that's a useful um, uh, adaptation. There are stainless steel tanks um, out there, like this size but for most of us we're gonna try to repurpose and find used or cheaper tanks which are probably going to be plastic like these but you get several of these together and you have enough water to last you all summer to protect you and your family to make it so that you don't have any anxiety about all this you feel really relaxed really safe really secure And then first flush diverters and screens so that you don't breed insects and you don't bring any gunk in there and you don't let any of the polluted water from off your roofs go in there so biochar and uv light filters are another thing so if you have biochar in there it will really keep the life down you can have uv light filters that are going to kill all the exposed life but unless you have a really good filter on there um particular filter it particulate filter it won't actually do a great job as a UV light. So make sure you have those things in tandem and and make that happen because uh, purifying our water is so vital. I use an aqua rain, but many people use Berkey, but we, we filter our water. And then biodigesters. Do you know what a biodigester is? Well, it's where all the food goes that you can't compost. So the bones, the fat, the meat, um, the, you know, you could put dog manure in it. You could put um, urine in it. Um, it will take it all and anaerobically digest it and create methane, which you can burn. And it turns into CO2 and water. And so you can, you can burn this. And uh, if it went to the dump, it would just gas off and would release methane on its own there. And wouldn't, it would be a, a greenhouse gas. And you would lose that resource and that opportunity to turn it into CO2, which is much easier to cycle. So it's an incredibly powerful thing. I made bone broth on it today. And I've been making bone broth on it weekly so far for two weeks. (laughs) But it's getting hot, and so I have to use the gas. Otherwise, because you can see that when it's full, it's full. There's no, like, other storage tank. So I I have to use it, and I, I, I like making soups. So uh, we do that outside where it's hot, and um, it's really, really productive. And I know that I have the ability to cook food for my family whenever um, off the grid. So it's an incredible solution to what you can't compost that's organic and for getting off-grid gas. And we could eventually hook this up probably to a natural gas generator, but I don't think it would be enough gas and enough time for it to be worthwhile. So EM. EM is kind of magic. EM is effective microbes and they are facultative, meaning they can exist in anaerobic and aerobic environments. And EM consists of yeasts, like from kombucha, purple non-sulfur bacteria from the gut digestion of worms, and lactic acid bacteria, which is what we use for fermenting things. So we've got fermentation, we've got pickling, we got preservation. And so basically, this is going to unlock the nutrition that's found in the organic matter that it encounters, just like when we pickle things and, and make kimchi and sauerkraut, it unlocks nutrition that was there, but just not bioavailable before. So EM is magic like that. It'll take nitrogen and turn it into amino acids that are immediately available to plants and absorbable to plants. It even has the ability to like handle humanure like that so the heavy nitrogers, compounds, in human ore um, can be turned into amino acids by EM if you have enough and if you've got biochar to help you along the way. It's really incredible stuff. You can make it at home. I've got a recipe in my book, The Permaculture Student 2, which is on my website for free. Feel free to check that out. And there's the recipe right there. Please um, screenshot it or just download the book. And you can transform the stink of the chicken house of the pig pen of all of these things with these intermediate chelators is ability to grab one element that's imbalanced and then transport it to another area and in another form and have it s- cycle. So, EM just does that in so many different ways in water and in the soil and you can use it as a foliar spray and spl- spray it on plants and it'll go right into the plant as well and do the same exact thing. And so biochar is kind of magic, too. When you remove all the organic matter from these, this plant matter, whether it's wood or hemp or other things like that, or even kelp, um, you end up with this, this mineral-rich profile that's like a magnet, right? And it can hold water really well. It can, uh, it can destroy the humus of an area unless you make it biochar. And that's what's so great about it is you can fit all of these nutrients and all this life into it because it's this magnet. It's empty. And that's really where biochar is so mag- uh, magnetic and amazing because you can use it in your humanure compost and it traps the stink. You can use it in the chicken pen and it traps the stink. You can have it in your soil and it holds nitrogen and it holds so much water that you don't have to water as much. Biochar can be used to clean water. Biochar is being used to remediate soils, remove heavy metals. And so because it's like a magnet for nutrients and soil organic matter, when we provide those things before adding it to the soil, we never harm the soil and we only provide benefit as a stabilizer, as like a pillar stabilizer in the system of the soil, because it's a three to one negative carbon sink. Biochar stays in the soil for a very long time pulls that carbon out of the system. So if we're using biochar, we're gonna hold tons more water, we're gonna sink tons more carbon, we're gonna have healthier plants, we're gonna have healthier fungi in the soil. It's just a win-win-win, and EM likes to work with it too. So just it's amazing, it all stacks and functions together. And then compost, who hasn't heard about compost? Compost is absolutely incredible, but it's important to know which compost does what? So there's every kind of compost, you know, out there, and every kind has its own effect. Hot compost, worm compost, Johnson Sioux compost, know that one. Bokashi, EM compost, IMO preps, and sheet composting, they all have different effects. They're all useful in different areas in different ways. It's really important to know what they are. And you can learn about all of them in my book, The Permaculture Student 2, which is free for you on the site, ThePermacultureStudent.com, just know that it's, half of it is the ingredients and half of it is the prep. So if you want more of an orchard compost, you want to make it make sure it's more fungal, so you want to feed it woodier foods. If you want it more bacterial dominant, you want to feed it more fresh greens, more grasses, and maybe a little bit of molasses in the compost tea, if you're making compost tea with that too, that also pushes it more bacterial. You, do want, you want to be really careful with the, back, uh, the, the bacterial side of things because if you push it too far, then you actually lose the ability to access many nutrients. Um, fungi, they're the great architects and the translocators of nutrients. They partner with bacteria, bacteria flows through them and on them. And so we have to make accommodations for both. We have to aim for that pH, EH sweet spot um where nutrients and minerals are widely available and both the micro minor trace elements and nutrients and the macro trace elements i mean the macro nutrients that's in the middle that's closest to water and 6.5 to 7 ph that's the ideal and that means that when we till when we're aerating the soil when we're exposing the soil and we're killing the fungi when we're chopping up the mycorrhizae with tillage and why by tillage i mean when we're using the rototiller when we're mixing up the layers finally when we're having it um, plow the fields that's going to drive it more bacterial more alkaline and it's going to actually cause more weeds to grow and by that i mean opportunistic plants that don't belong there and specifically you know this type of grass that is going to try to gather up everything around it right with the rhizosphere and you're like oh I hate this type of grass it's just seen it many types of names for it many different types of art depending on where you live in the world or you get you know what happens afterward is it just get totally compacted so you just made cement out of it and then you get these these weeds that come and send this really strong root straight down and then they're they're hard to get out and they go really deep because they're trying to bore through that compaction the drilling holes through the compaction and it depends on your situation what kind of weeds you get but they're all reparative mechanisms trying to drive the succession back down into the fungal zone so don't get mad at the weeds don't till. go up aerate with stuff like the broad fork stuff like rippers which which will put a clean rip you can plant in that rip but it's not overturning the layers of soil, not pulverizing the soil structure. So you gotta plow, you've got all these things. Maybe it's time to switch it out and get different parts that go into those things. We don't need to demonize the machines, we don't need to demonize the farmers, we don't need to be angry at our, you know, our grandfathers for doing this or great grandfathers, great, great great, you know, we've been doing this for how long, right? Thousands of years. We've been desertifying the planet in this way. We just need to get going. We just need to do the solutions. We don't need to agonize over details. So that's what today is about, right? So what's the easiest solution to home waste? I would say regular EM and biochar additions to a semi-static pile. Hot compost, where you're constantly turning that thing, keeping the temperature in a specific range, it's it's a lot of attention. Um, It could catch on fire if you potentially made one big enough and didn't turn it. it, it tends to be on the more bacterial side, and you may not want that. You might not have the ability to have a pile that you're constantly maintaining. You may not be able to have the worms, but EM will turn the nitrogenous, stinky compounds into amino acids, into things that are directly absorbable by microbiology, by plant roots and biochar also will provide housing for them and so you'll be able to turn that very quickly into soil and if you're doing that with a, the semi-static pile you're not turning it, you're getting all the benefits of the fungi, myceliating through it all and you're controlling the heat you're controlling the smell and it's going to be incredible so I highly recommend that. That's what I'm doing outside of my MakeSoil.org Maker Soil Box. And if you want to join the network, makesoil.org, please do. If you want to receive scraps or if you want to give organic matter to other people, you will be able to do that, like food scraps or, or, or thinnings and prunings. You'll be able to take that and then turn it into soil or give that habit turn into soil, knowing that it's getting turned into soil for gardens and orchards. So it's an incredible time. We can all turn to each other at this time and work together. But something that we all need to work on individually is eco-literacy. We need to understand the world around us. That's what permaculture really offers. And that can take observation, time spent with nature, learning from nature, being able to develop our pattern literacy, our fluency in the natural world. And that can also be foraging. We need to learn these skills so that We can partner with the world around us, even in the hardest of times. So you may be going out and you may be foraging seaweed, or you may be foraging wild plants and herbs or mushrooms, but these skills at this time are incredibly powerful. And it's adaptation through observation. It is one of the most important permaculture principles that's throughout all permaculture teaching. And every living thing communicates with the world around it. It gives off information, it takes in information, and it responds in a constant call and response with the world around it. And unless we're doing that through observation and regeneration, we're missing out on what it is to be human, we're missing out on the great opportunity to be alive and to be here and to be one of the natural beings contributing to a better future. Practicing permaculture develops that lens. So surround yourself with nature. Even if you're in an apartment, start growing on your balcony, start growing in your windows, start growing fungi in the dark areas. Build towards that abundance. You can store, you can save, you can invest regeneratively. Because what happens is that when you have so much, you can start the local economy up again. Because regenerative home ecology turns into a regenerative local economy as the abundance spills over so how do i know all this stuff well i've grown seeds and gardens for many years and i've represented baker creek heirloom seeds as a spokesperson and garden expert i've coached folks in all climates growing gardens food forests and even businesses i've done the research for many many years hands-on and the book side and i've written books i built the courses i have worked with experts from around the world and i know that you can do it too you can do it all too so i have a free course for you this is your best garden if you're just starting out gardening or if you're just wanting to understand the permaculture perspective on gardening then this is a free course for you to dive in deep it's i mean it's a short three-part series course but it goes really into depth. It goes really into all these pragmatic solutions. And you're not going to want to miss it if you have liked this presentation, because it will help you. And also, my books, The Permaculture Student 2, The Permaculture Student 1, are free for you on ThePermacultureStudent.com. And this. What I saw happening with the farms that began to learn how to use the probiotic technology was that they were becoming independent and free from the hydroponic stores, from the ag sellers who were pushing these chemicals to them. So so yeomans put dams up on hillsides and you go all over Australia now and there's dams on hillsides because they don't know necessarily where that technology came from but he did it and then everyone else followed sort of a Chinese whispers followed after that. Any swimming pool that has a pumping system in it and holds water on it can be converted into a biological system with just a few added additions. Jean-Martin knew at that moment uh, that if he would say yes to that project, the Ferme des Quatre Tins, he wouldn't have all the pieces and all the insights to scale up so fast Uh, In fact, I agree with Gandhi, who came to feel after 50 years of work and experimentation and meditation, that nonviolence is what makes us human. There's about 250 different kinds of ladybugs in North America, and um, the different ladybugs eat different critters. Soil is about everything. Everything is about the soil. You can have the prettiest garden in the world, but without that soil you're not there. It is the highest form of digestible protein in the entire planet animal kingdom. More than soy, more than beef, more than chicken, all of that. Why and what was that keyword? The keyword was digestible. And this is really important because our pattern literacy is the key to us operating at our best selves, at our highest like operating capacities, at you know our smartest selves, our wisest selves. And so we want this, we need this. And so peak performance, what they figured out is that we are enlarging our schema, our understanding of the holistic reality using patterns. be certified in permaculture from home. You can teach other people how to live this way. You can help everyone in your bioregion, businesses. You can be helping individuals, schools. You can be consulting on other gardening and landscaping operations. You can be designing food forests, designing the greening of deserts. Permaculture unlocks all the possibilities. I know someone who literally didn't have the skills went and took a PDC just like this course permaculture design certification and then two weeks later started on a greening the desert project that seven years later is the most un- unbelievable site in the world it's gone from rocks and dust to waving fields of grasses that have stunning breathtaking beauty trees profitable, grazing, all the things that just weren't ever possible in that region for generations have come back in a few short years in the middle of droughts. That's what permaculture really offers, and this certification offers. And on top of it, we've got an advanced certification. So how is that different? Well, it's the project side. So you design it and then you actually make it real. And we honor you for that and we help you do it. We give you coaching, give you answers as you do it. Because isn't that what this is all about? It's not just making design and then see you later. You're part of the community. You need the feedback you need to get over the hump, to get what you need to become who you truly are. This is the community. There's over 70 expert teachers, and there's over 180 hours of instruction. This is an entire school year, like a one class of a school year of information. And actually, I was trained to do that as a teacher, so I'm simply doing (laughs) what I have been trained to do, create a standard-based, accredited, professional, career path-oriented curriculum, that will change the world and this is what I'm inviting you to there's live Q&A bi-weekly for ten for months of the year there's group discussions constantly 24 hours a day in both our Facebook group and inside the course because we have a global community of over 730 members and they are all very active very supportive very caring and excited so, not only do you get all this information, you get all this support. It's like a giant family. And we really care. And we, are, we have seen people in our community launch Kickstarters, launch businesses, have massive success, Fast, massive success. So it's happening. The movement is here. We are making the change. Permaculture's response to pandemic is to double down on regeneration. So live. Live more regeneratively today. Live in hope. Live without fear. Live without anxiety. Live free. Live without a boss. Live without debt. Live in abundance. Join us. I'm Matt Powers. Grow abundantly. Learn daily and live regeneratively. Sign up for the Advanced Permaculture Student Online. Or join us in one of my many free courses, your best garden, or maybe one of the others. Download the Permaculture Student 2, the Permaculture Student one. They're free on the permaculturestudent.com. They're there for you. Share it with your friends. Share it with your family. Make sure that your, your, your parents or your grandparents are getting the fresh food that they need. Make sure that if people are being taken care of, because this is the opportunity to show care at the highest level. Permaculture's response, we're tripling down on care. Because that's what is required right now. This is a step in the regenerative direction. That's what I'm inviting you to. I'm Matt Powers. Thank you so much. This has been great. I'll see you sometime soon.